1970, a married couple named Joel and Lynn Rapp left their jobs in the entertainment industry and decided to go retail and open up a store on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles. This was a time when alternative living practices were hot in Los Angeles. Yoga, vegetarian restaurants, artist communes, all new fads in L.A. and popular amongst the young, wealthy, and idealistic. The raps went with indoor plants as their retail cannonball. They fit into the scene perfectly. Hippies love plants and flowers, and the rap store called Mother Earth's Plant Boutique would fill that market with beloved chlorophyll-soaked charm. The boutique did well and was popular with local celebrities, especially after the release of the book The Secret Life of Plants in 1973 by Peter Tompkins and Christopher Bird. In it, the authors suggest that plants are much more alive than we thought and that they love and respond positively to music. If you happen to buy a plant at Mother Earth's in 1976, you would have gotten the chance to prove this theory with your purchase. As a free gift, you probably received a copy of Mort Garson's Mother Earth's Plantasia, warm earth music for plants and the people who love them. Armed with only a Moog synthesizer, which was a buzzworthy and novel instrument at the time, Mort's goal was to produce songs that would stimulate the growth of houseplants when played in their presence. I'm Brennan. Welcome to Boogie Chits. So in 1976, you could only get this album as a free promotional item. You had to buy a plant and be friendly with the raps at Mother Earth's, or you could get a copy if you purchased a Simmons mattress at an L.A. area Sears store. It all starts with Old Magic Fingers, Mort Garson. Born July 20th, 1924 in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. It's a seaport city on the East Coast. Hey, sailor boy. He moved to New York City after Canadian high school. I don't know if it's called high school in Canada or secondary school. But after he was done with that, he attended Juilliard School of Music. Mort is a total music nerd in the most endearing sense. He's like Goodwill Hunting when it came to musical instruments. He could he would learn them pretty much instantaneously. Piano was the lead instrument in his arsenal, though. He was an exceptional piano player. What is Juilliard? I always hear that name for fancy pants music talk, but I, I, I really didn't know what it was. It's a private performing arts conservatory. What is a conservatory? I don't know. Anyway, it has one of the lowest acceptance ratios of any school in the United States. 16 Pulitzer Prize winners have attended Juilliard. After uh, ripping through Juilliard, Mort got pulled into the army during the tail end of World War II, and then he goes right back to music. Starts working as a session pianist and develops the reputation as a studio ace utility guy. He can do it all. Compose, arrange, orchestrate, play most musical instruments. He's also got a great great work ethic, very reliable. Doors Day who was a legendary actress that I cannot name a single thing she was in. She loved Mort Garson. He uh, was a big hand on two of her albums. In the early 60s, Mort wrote a few successful lounge songs, 
very, you know, like easy listening type uh, jams. Ruby and the Romantics, Our Day Will Come was his biggest, biggest hit that he wrote. It stinks. Mort became the go-to guy when you wanted easy listening string arrangements. He did all that stuff for Glenn Campbell's gigantic hit song and album, By the Time I Get to Phoenix. That was in the late 60s. I only know that song because Al Pacino sings it in Heat. What does he say? He's... I don't know. He's annoying in that movie. I think it's when he's talking to Tone Loke or or one of the other guys. I don't know. Anyway, Mort Garson was at a music engineers convention in 1967 when he met a fellow named Robert Moog who started showing him a type of modular synthesizer that he had invented and been working on for the previous few years. Mort was absolutely riveted with this thing. Robert Moog was born in 1934 in the Bronx. Super intelligent and curious kid. He went right up through the smart guy New York City education chain. Bronx High School of Science, Queens College, Columbia University, and then finally he gets a PhD in physics engineering from Cornell. Moog discovered that there was a a need by composers for more affordable and practical electronic musical equipment. Moog was fascinated when, even when he was a kid with the theremin, which is that instrument where you wave your hands in front of it, goes, does some kind of shit. Uh, They still use them, but he was, he was totally fascinated with how those things worked. Anyway, at this time, as he's developing all this, you know, the, trying to make more practical electronic musical equipment. Rock and roll has arrived. Electric musical instruments are here to stay. Sergeant Pepper's like right around the corner. So studio wizardry, the era of studio wizardry is uh, uh, upon them. By 1964, uh, Robert had the Moog synthesizer up and running. Here's the definition, the basic definition of a Moog synthesizer, like what it is. The Moog is consists of separate modules which create and shape sounds that are connected via patch cords. The modules include voltage-controlled oscillators, amplifiers, filters, envelope and noise generators, ring modulators, triggers, and mixers. I am fucking lost. It looks like a keyboard with a light bright board leaning against it. So you plug stuff in. I don't I don't really know. But anyway, Moog toured trade shows to pimp his namesake creation, and this is where he meets Mort Garson. Mort would come away from that meeting with Robert, totally into the Moog synthesizer. In 1967, Mort released the Zodiac Celestial Sounds. It's one of the first albums to utilize the Moog synthesizer. The 12 tracks represent each of the Zodiac symbols. Mort had a, a pretty big fa- fascination with the occult. The Zodiac Killer started in 1968, I think. They, that's the year after he released this. It, it can't be. He can't, the Zodiac Killer cannot be Mort. He was too fucking busy. The Zodiac contains uh, voiceovers by an Iranian folk singer named Cyrus Faryar. That's pretty interesting. Garson would continue to work as a session player and arranger while doing quirky projects like Electronic Hair Pieces. It's another Moog album covering songs from the musical Hair. And he also did a, uh, an album called Music for Sensuous Lovers, which is an album of music accompanied by sexual moans. Ah, uh, pervert. Robert Moog 
was an electronic genius, but man, he was a terrible businessman. Moog never took out patents on any of those patches and cords and all that shit that I listed above. He, he, he missed out on extreme wealth by not covering his bases with that stuff. Robert created the mini Moog in the early 70s and it became the premier keyboard of the time. But by 1976, Robert is out of the Moog game for, for profit. He starts inventing and creating new stuff. Mort's love of that synth is at a fever pitch at this time, though. In addition to music technology, zodiac symbols, and sensuality, Mort had read The Secret Life of Plants and decided that he would attempt to stimulate the growth of houseplants with the Moog synthesizer, his new thing. Provide some sonic fertilizer. And uh, here we are. We come to the album. So Mother Earth's Plantasia is 10 tracks, 30 minutes, 55 seconds. Each side contains five tracks. The first track is a like general intro track, and then the four coming after it are for specific genus, genus or breed of plant. So, and they do, you know, that repeats for... For both sides. But side A is Plantasia, Symphony for a Spider Plant, Baby Tears Blues, Ode to an African Violet, and Concerto for Philodendron and Pathos. If you have any of these breeds of plants nearby, hold your listening device close to it um, when I play a clip of this, you know, for whatever song it falls under and see if you get a reaction. Allow the plants to listen. So the opening track is Plantasia, and it's our introduction to Mort, the Moog, and the world of Mother Earth's Harvest. Get ready. This is just a general, covers houseplants in general. So get ready and cozy up next to the one and uh, the one that's nearest you, and let's give it a listen. Okay, thank you for that, Mort. Hope you, your folk, you folks, your houseplants received a response. That's nice. Next up is Symphony for a Spider Plant. The fancy name for this for this is uh, for the spider plant is Chlorophytum comosum. Very common houseplant known for its resiliency. The spider plant is native to South Africa, but has become naturalized over the world over time. It can grow to two feet tall, but is sensitive to the fluoride found in tap water, which is what gives it those burnt tips. I always wondered that. Uh, so I, I've definitely had spider plants before. But anyway, um, get nearest your spider plant. Let's give a, let's give a listen. They don't need water, Mort. They only need you. Thank you for that. Jam number three is Baby's Tears Blues. The official name for this is Sol Solariola. Solaria. Oh. 
Other common names include Angel's Tears, Bread and Cheese, Patty's Wig, and Corsican Creeper. Oof. What's like, well, when I think, you know, first thing when I see the Corsican Creeper, Richard Grieco could play a Corsican Creeper. It sounds like a, like maybe a serial assaulter, assaultist. Anyway, the uh, baby's tears are delicate with bright green or yellow leaves and tiny white flowers. Gardeners like to stick them on the edge of like ornamental waterfalls. It prefers, the baby's tears prefer shady and heavy moisture areas, just like Richard Grieco. Bonsai gardens, reptile habitats, garden areas, things like that. This is my second favorite song on the album. Let's, uh, let's give it a listen. DM Boogie Chits on Instagram if anyone listening noticed a response by their baby's tears. Very nice. Put that Instagram finally to work. So houseplants are born out of the invention of container gardening in general. Ancient Egyptians grew fruiting plants out of decorated vessels and carnations were displayed ornamentally during the medieval times. During the 17th century, exotic plants became a trendy thing. Wealthy French and British people would import interesting plants from Asia and all over the world, or whatever was found in the world at the time. The more craft the flower hanging in your window, the cooler you were. Orange trees were the absolute bomb. Having an orange tree was like owning a Tesla, except um, with an orange tree, you can't almost get not realize uh, an orange tree is coming at you when you're walking your dog with headphones. Orange trees would were eventually replaced by succulents like aloe at the top of the hip houseplant cool tower. In the early 18th century, windows started becoming wider in homes in London. This is this is important. So even like lower class trash folks could pop a plant in their window for decoration. The, pretty much the game changer was was having the bigger windows. Hopefully, uh, Jack the Ripper, bigger bigger entrance for Jack the Ripper. I don't. I think Jack the Ripper. He was more a street killer. I don't know if he went into into houses. In eighteen eighteen, orchids were introduced to Europe. They were used as packing material. For other rare plants, that's that's interesting. The Victorian era was um, really the groundbreak, and where houseplants really just became a thing, just in general. Track number four on Mother Earth's Plantasia is "Ode to an African Violet." Fancy name is Streptocarpus sect Saint Paulia. They get their name from the re- resemblance to actual violets, and they have a five-lobed corolla, a.k.a. petal bloom. Uh, no idea. There is a large concentration of African violets in the Nguru Mountains in Tanzania. They, um, The African violet is has become a popular gift in developed countries all over the world. They're super durable. So, um, you know, it's... It, they last a long time, like like all of these. But uh, let's test it against. Let's test your African violet against Mort's Plantasia. Mm-hmm. 
closing out side A is Concerto for Philodendron and Pothos. Sorry for the mispron- constant mispronounce. I can't even say that word. Mispronunciations of words. Anyway, the Philodendron and Pothos are both green-leafed standard houseplants. Philodendrons are native to Africa, Australia, the Pacific Islands. They're, they're the more popular one. Pothos are native to China and India. Big, imposing leaves. Like I said, these are common bombers in the scene. Let's, uh, if you got one of the, got either or of these, hold it up against the speaker and let's see if um, they get excited. Time to flip the record, but first, here's some big 70s hit songs that use the Moog synthesizer. Donna Summer's I Feel Love, that's with Giorgio Moroder. That was a, yeah, he's all over. That guy loved the the, uh, Moog. Great song. Lips Inks, uh, Funky Town, Won't You Take Me to Funky Town. Gary Newman's Cars was done on a Moog synthesizer. That album, The Pleasure Principle, absolute, uh, that's one for the, for the ATPs, for the album track. That that deserves a complete run through. Great album. Pink Floyd used a mini Moog for their Wish You Were Here record. And Heart, the Wilson, Nancy and Ann Wilson, the Wilson sisters, Magic Man, Crazy On You, uh, both used the Moog synthesizer. The Moog was like so popular and hot that basically you would use the word Moog for synthesizer, it was like synonymous with each other. So side B of Mort Garson's uh, Mother Earth's Plantasia opens with Rhapsody in Green. It's the all-encompassing houseplant overall opening track of introduction track to side B. Let's allow Mort to soak our houseplants with energy from his hairy Eastern European knuckles on the Moog. Let's give it a listen. Swinging Spathifilums is up next. Total banger. This is my favorite song on the album. The Spathifilum is also known as the Peace Lily. The white, yellowish, or green flowers are formed in a spathe around a fleshy stem. Hot. They do not require a lot of light or water, and they're a pretty common indoor plant, but they can withstand humidity and survive outdoors. Good for them. Let's see how they feel about the Moog synthesizer. Gently moving right along here to song number eight, You Don't Have to Walk a Begonia. 
Mort taking a jab at dogs here with this song name. There are more than 2,000 species of begonias, which are a perennial flowering plant. I don't know any fucking clue what that means. They are commonly used as indoor houseplants in cooler climates. I guess Cuba is no good for begonias. Some French guy named Charles Plumier, he gave the begonia its name to honor Michel Bigon, who was a former mayor of the French colony, now called Haiti. So Bigon got a flower named after him. He was probably hacking up Haitians all over the place. Anyway, let's have a listen, see if your begonia gets excited. The band The Who, they used ARP gear for their classic Who's Next album. That's 71 or 72. Easily the best album in that band's catalog. That's a that's one that's another one for the ATP's masterpiece. So ARP was Moog's main competitor. So Bob O'Reilly won't get fooled again won't get fooled again. That synth for those songs done on ARP. If you listen to those, you're betraying Robert Moog, or maybe not you, but Pete Townsend certainly turns his back on on old Robert. Track number nine is A Mellow Mood for Maiden Hair. So the fancy name for the maiden hair is Adiantum, I think. They have a very distinctive appearance, interesting black stripes and cuts on the flowers, flower of the plant. Adiantum refers to the Greek term unwedded since the maidenhair's fronds have a strange ability to shed water without becoming wet. That's strange. Mort, can you wet the unwettable maidenhair? Go for it, buddy. So by the early 20th century, houseplants were no longer in style at home, but it became common to keep plants in offices during World War II, especially as women entered the workforce in more robust numbers. Spending a lot of time at the office with, I guess, the buzz off at war, um, it gave it a, putting plants, it gave it a more domestic feel. During the 1960s, Florida produced more than half the plants and flowers found in American homes. As we stated before, hippies are into flowers, so they became majorly back in vogue. The, the rise of shopping malls in the 1980s provided an even bigger palette for giant indoor plant displays. Moth orchids also became popular. You still see, you know, whatever malls are left, you see those gigantic things going up into the skylight windows or whatever that you ignore or you you put your a Starbucks empty Starbucks uh, cup in during covid house plant scene exploded the hashtag plant mom was used 2.6 million times it's hard to to um 
reply with the with the word loser 2.6 million times. Anyway, plant sales peak year was 2020. So much so that the Environmental Safety Concern uh, Commission uh, raised concerns over the production line of commercial botany. There's a lot of plants in 2020. So anyway, the album closes with Music to Soothe the Savage Snake Plant. Real name, Drycania trifasciata. It's another flowering plant. It's native to West Africa. The snake plant can exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide using some weird metabolic process. It it allows it to withstand withstand drought, Uh, whatever. So it can just make its own water, I guess, out of its own breath. The snake plant used to treat ear infections in South Africa, but... Can it be stimulated in our living rooms? Let's have Mort close us out here. And that's the end of Mother Earth's Plantasia. So... Mother Earth's Plant Boutique, it eventually closed, but Joel and Lynn Rapp, they wrote a handful of cartoon-filled books on how to care for plants. Joel only died like two years ago, 2021. He was the show gardener for Live with Regis and Kathy Lee when that was on the air. He was like the on-air or whatever. He was the house botanist, I guess. I don't know. Lynn is still with us. She's like 90. I'll tell you, the raps, they seem to have lived a really happy life. They had a nice story with them. In the late 1970s, Robert Moog moved to North Carolina and he started a new company called Big Briar. He continued working on new instruments and technology for the rest of his life. He had a hand in creating the touchscreen, the touchscreen piano, which is pretty cool. People use to this day today. Robert also taught at UNC Asheville for years, and there's a a big-ass mural of him on a building in that town. In 2002, Moog received a special merit technical Grammy for his his past work. He died from a brain tumor on April 28, 2005. In 2013, Robert was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, and he's considered an absolute pioneer in the field of synthesized sound. They, um, the Moog synthesizer, that's a really big, like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. A lot of like uh, prog rock bands used it, used the Moog. It's, uh, and then it was, it was big in the 80s, a lot of dance music. So, you know, the guy's great. Mort Garson. He would continue to compose music for the rest of his working life. He scored the movies Treasure of the Amazon and Vultures in the 80s. He also wrote the theme songs for the following game shows using the using his his beloved Moog synthesizer. Amateur Guide to Love, Amateur's Guide to Love, Gambit, Runaround, Baffle, The Magnif- Magnificent Marble Machine and Battle Stars. I don't know a single one of those game shows, and I don't know either one of those movies from the 80s. So, 
Anyway, Mort died in San Francisco in 2008 at the age of 83 of renal failure, kidney disease. Mother Earth's Plantasia its gained a massive cult following over the years. It's a long-time favorite in, that, in the hip-hop world. It's been sampled various times. The most recognizable sample from Mother Earth's Plantasia was used by the far side in 2000 for the song guest list. I listen song stinks. I wasn't into it. Sacred bones. The record label did a reissue of Plantasia in 2019. This is how I found out about this album, by the way, I wasn't alive in 1976. I wasn't a crate digger in 1988. I don't like this is, it was, it was, this is how I found out about it through sacred bones. They reissued it. It's still available for streaming, vinyl, cassette, CD. It's nice packaging. It's cool. Rolling Stone and Pitchfork reviewed the reissue, and they uh, positively acknowledged the quirky 30 minutes as a record collector's and crate digger's charm, which which it is. I agree with that. The, the Sacred Bones reissue, it cracked the top 10 in Billboard's top dance electronic albums charts. Look at that. Mort is still... He will never die. He will always be with us. In spring 2023, Into It used the song Plantasia for their uh, TurboTax television commercial campaign for tax season. So this past spring, if you saw an advertisement for TurboTax, that was Mort playing playing in the background. It's very important to note, though, Mort Garson's Mother Earth's Plantasia Magnus Opus cannot do your taxes. It can only help grow your plants. New album, new episode next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow uh, Boogie Chits on Instagram. Take care. (laughs) 